Welcome back, Dodecadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magrim. You're most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as the DM, which of course stands for the Dot Matrix. I mean, the Dingo Matriarch. Wait, <laughs> no, it means Dingleberry Mambo. Wait, Dilapidated Mesentery. Diuretic Mimosa. Dominatrix Morpheus? No, wait, I got it. The Dudical Maximus. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll come back. I was expecting a, a reboot reference in there, but it didn't happen. <laughs> We're so glad you're here filling your brains with so much 12-sided goodness. If you need more 12-sided goodness, maybe consider becoming a patron. You can get bonus content depending on which tier you choose, including character sheets, all of the battle maps and other maps we use in-game, character descriptions, episode guides, and of course, your neighbor's potatoes. Patrons really help us get the word out about what we're doing, so thank you for all of your support. And if you're not a patron or it's just not in the cards right now, no worries. We just love doing what we're doing, and in all honesty, this is the game we'd be playing even if we weren't recording it. So from the players and me, the Dudical Maximus, we're glad you're along with us for this ride. Anyway. (laughs) Dudical Maximus? Official title. Anyway. If you forgot to put on your holy glasses and ended up killing Richter Belmont, don't worry, we've all been there, and this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, episode 25. It was actually, he was being controlled by Shaft, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Shut your mouth. Wait, wait. I'm only talking about Shaft. (laughs) We can dig it. (laughs) So stupid. Oh my God. I'm I'm not going to lie. The mental image I had when you said Dominatrix Morpheus was pretty epic. I mean, he's already wearing leather. He's just wearing a little bit less leather, but in very intriguing places. I imagine like high, high leather high heels on too with his leather cloak. He just borrowed Lazel's underwear. Amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, welcome back to the city of Redlam in Via Severia. Last time we were together, our heroes, Wilhelm and Associates, were battling a large snake, a basilisk of some sort, was swimming around in this chamber that was full of water uh, with poop and pee. (laughs) (laughs) Pee pee. Poo poo pee pee water. <laughs> this giant basilisk snake was swimming around in the sewage and rain runoff that had been pooling up underneath the city of Redlam. But our heroes also noticed on the ground, like underneath the water, were symbols of that ancient uh, kingdom, Oclaria, the sunburst on a field of white. And in the center of this chamber, there was a staircase that was descending down beneath uh, this chamber. But they had to take care of this snake first, which got in some pretty big hits and almost turned Ornan to stone. That would have been very interesting. But he managed to resist, and so did Magrim, and the uh, the giant snake was defeated, and our players continued down into this ancient chamber of the kingdom of Oclaria. 
when they got down into the chambers below, they discovered this uh, series of rooms. It looks like it has um, oftentimes been flooded. There were undersea plants that were uh, growing up out of the stones, and the ground was still kind of wet. Uh, Our players realized that if the rain continued up above on the surface, there was a very real likelihood that this chamber would begin to flood as water from the chamber above came up over the platform and started to uh, flood down the stairs. Wilhelm and Associates decided to explore this chamber. They found what looked like a church of some sort. They found a scrap of a map of an underground kingdom of some sort called Tarsarin. But it was just a scrap torn from a larger piece. And this map was designed to resist tearing and decay. So somebody tore this piece off on purpose. At least that was what our players had decided. Among other things they discovered, a chest that was magical. It was the only thing in the room that had not been destroyed by centuries of flooding and water. Uh, Our heroes decided instead of opening it to just grab it and shove it into Ornan's backpack. And then they also discovered a room with three large statues. Two statues on either side were displacer beasts. And in the center was this large statue of this elvish queen with a plaque that read, in elvish, self-styled queen Elsewin Sunseeker. And underneath that, it said visionary. And beneath that, it said revolutionary. And the last title, mother. They also discovered a ring on one of the hands and a folded up fan in the other hand of this large statue. Wilhelm and associates realized there was a very real likelihood that these statues of the displacer beasts would come to life if anyone were to try to steal the ring or the fan. But they decided to do it anyway. And sure enough, that's how we roll. Yes, exactly. A fight ensued. And as the fight was going on, the water suddenly began to rise. It became more and more difficult to move through these chambers as it began to flood. But our heroes came out on top, destroying the Displacer Beast statues. And as they were about to scamper up the stairs to safety... Ornan heard some noise coming from one of the rooms further on, the room that had a staircase that went further down. That staircase was flooded already, but it looks like as the water rises, somebody was coming up from beneath that staircase, and he did not understand the language. Sylvie was about to cast a spell, but we stopped there last time, and we are picking up right there at this moment. Difficult terrain for everybody at this point. So half movement through this chamber to get back to the stairs. And Ornan, you hear voices coming from down below. Anybody down there? It's uh, it's flooding. It's not safe. Come on out. Sylvie, you were going to cast a spell. What spell were you going to cast? Yeah, so Sylvie is going to cast Rosetta Stone uh, to <laughs> comprehend the language that is being spoken. Okay. You cast Rosetta Stone. Is it is it one action to cast it? Uh, yes. One action uh, for an hour. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right. You cast this spell, and as you strain your ears to hear... You hear the voices that Ornan has heard, but you understand what they are saying. You hear a voice call out. Sylvie, you are not sure what language this is that you are hearing, but you hear the guttural, low, angry voice saying, Something is up above. To arms! Protect the goddess's shrine! Ooh, I don't think they're going to like that we uh, took the goddess's stuff. We should cruise on out of here, guys. (laughs) 
it's probably for the best since in another couple minutes we'll be completely submerged. Well, yeah, there's that too. You hear voices shouting, uh, not so much saying specific words, but just like, rah, get up, that kind of thing uh, coming from the <laughs> other room. <laughs> They're practicing their karate moves. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh no, I got the Muttley laugh again. <laughs> you were working on that so well, Paul. I know. All right. Well, Frank, what are you guys going to do? As these voices are getting louder, Orn, and you can hear them. Lead the way, Principal. I'm running up the stairs, following yeah. Principal. Yeah, same. Whoever's down there, come on out. It's it's flooding. And then Ornan's gonna try to escape too. Ornan, I don't think I don't think they need help. I think they're good. I think we should just. I think we need help. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go swimming. Honestly, I don't think that they need to worry about the rising water if they are speaking from beneath a flooded staircase. I have a feeling they might have uh, an innate swimming speed, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it uh, looks like uh, Guy is rushing up the stairs, as is Sylvie. What are Magram and Ornan doing? The same. Ornan's going to start moving that direction and try to get above, you know, at least ankle-deep water. Yep, I did my Dorothy Gale impression last session and clicked my heels to make the uh, boots <laughs> of speed go. I'm going to use those bad boys and hoof it up them stairs. All right, fantastic. You guys start moving up the stairs at a quick pace. You can see that water is rushing down the sides of this spiral staircase. The stone steps are slick as water is pushing down against you, but you are able to keep your feet and are able to make it back out into the chamber where you fought the basilisk. As you come out uh, up top, you can see that, yes, the water has definitely risen back up uh, to close to the high water mark that you had noticed before. The boat is still, there's a little rowboat. It is still tied up where you left it. Just a quick reminder, uh, you guys came into this chamber from the north, and you know that if you follow the way you came in, you will eventually end up in an alleyway up on the street, um, somewhere close to the Oaken Throne. You also notice that to the southeast, there is another platform with a staircase and a door at the top of the staircase heading somewhere further into the sewer system here beneath Redlum. Where are you guys going? Do we want to get more lost down here or do we want to go the safe way out? Do we still hear them coming up the stairs after us? At this point, you do not hear them anymore um, as you guys get out like where you're not actually having to wade through water. I mean, the water is coming up over this platform you're standing on, but it's maybe like three inches and it's just flowing, just pouring down this staircase. So just enough for the solid waste to be like up raised above the water. <laughs> yeah, like you can see it kind of like it's just kind of like hitting the ground and kind of skidding along and skidding along, you know. Oh, that's that's lovely. Wait, was that Sabrina or was that Sylvie gagging <laughs> Both, I think. Honestly, that was nasty, dude. Oh, gosh. There's a time and a place, Paul. I would never be so crass. <laughs> if if we want to if we want to further explore, I think we we could head to the south southeast. But uh, I'm worried about them seeing what we've done and continuing to pursue. So maybe it might be best to to get out of the sewers now. I want everyone to make history checks, except for Ghee, you can make it with advantage. Does the water still feel like it's rising up here, too? 
Um, you can see water. There's pipes all around this room that are kind of set up above the water level. You can see water is coming pouring into this room from all of the runoff. It seems like this is some kind of a central chamber in the sewer system where a lot of the water, if it's if it's too much to go out into the lake, it gets funneled into this room and then it gets, it gets shunted down these stairs uh, into chambers down below. Um, so it's like a, this is some kind of a, a safety. Uh, you imagine that eventually those chambers will actually flood. And then if that happens, this room will then continue to flood. And then uh, who knows what could happen in the sewers and the city up above. So whoever lives down there lives in a constant state of being flooded by poo-poo and pee-pee water. Maybe that's what they're into, dude. No judgment. <laughs> yeah, that don't was... judge people that are into that kind of stuff, you know? What, okay, now tell me. Certainly I would never judge them for that. <laughs> and we don't know the domain of the god or goddess they're worshipping. It could be the poo-poo pee-pee goddess. <laughs> Maybe that's why she has this fan to kind of blow away the smells. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so I wonder, maybe if that is the case... Perhaps we should stick around and maybe talk to them a little bit. I don't know. You know? Maybe they're not so bad. I can tell you, from what I heard, they do not want to chat with us. I, I, I think we should cruise on out of here. Maybe they have pamphlets. We can learn about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, you don't know. I don't want to cast judgment upon them yet. Nothing I said was judgmental. I just said they live in a constant state of poo-poo and pee-pee water flooding in there. Right. I think that might mean they could be pretty chill. So you guys, <laughs> I had you guys roll history checks like uh, okay. five minutes ago. Gee got an 18. Ornan got an 8. Sylvie got a 12. And Mogram got an at 20 for a 25. Thanks to my extensive knowledge of civic planning and engineering. And poo-poo and pee-pee. <laughs> and my familiarity with poo-poo and pee-pee. They sure teach you some strange things at the Crahanest. He was actually the Crapanest. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right, Guy and uh, Magram, as you guys are now kind of catching your breath up here, you... Um, but trying not to take too big of breaths. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, Guy, you... Um, give me one second. So what exactly were they saying, Sylvie? Well, I they said something about disrupting the goddess. Um, the, the I think it was shrine of the goddess. Uh, so I'm assuming that whatever we took had some sort of sacred value. But I'm also assuming since they seem to live underwater that they're probably not really worried about the poo-poo pee-pee. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's safe to say we did disturb the goddess's shrine. <laughs> we killed her pet cats. He has a point. I view with self-defense. But that shrine down there, I mean... Up here, it looks like this is part of, like, the kingdom of Ocleria, but down there, it was Elvin. And as far as I know, Saskia was a human, right? I believe that is correct. So maybe this chamber is from an older Ooh. period of the Ocleria kingdom. It looks like that might be the case. It reminded me of that, uh, that Elvin goddess from down below the, the keep. Elistriae. Eliastrion. Uh, <laughs> Whatever her name was. I actually heard the name pronounced in Baldur's Gate 3 just today. And I was like, oh, that's how they say it. And then I 
forgot it completely. Oh, okay. So yeah, you remember that in one of those chambers uh, down below, it was like a the church church area. You saw a broken down statue that had like fallen due to decay and age, and you did determine that that was uh, I I I Ilustrae, something like that. Ilustrae, you determined that that probably was a statue uh, dedicated to her. With the 18 and the 25, so Guy and Magrim, your history checks. Guy, you have um, a history of going up and down the river. You've heard lots of stories and tales, uh, uh, different myths and legends. Uh, you know, don't go down this, uh, don't go down this, uh, whatever, estuary. Yeah, after dark or something like that. Oh, just... I always avoid estuaries after dark. <laughs> yes. And Magram, you just have traveled. And so you've heard a lot of rumors and things. Um, there are rumors of um, old old sea folk or, or old lake folk talk of people who live in the lake deep down. Uh, this lake apparently is very, very deep. And there are um, apparently, supposedly, a small group a small civilization of some kind in crimson vale lake now nobody has seen them or talked to them it's all kind of oh my cousin told me when he was lying there dying of scurvy that uh (laughs) he was saved by you know whatever it's like it's like old sailor mermaid talk only it's not mermaids how was he saved dying of scurvy by did they just come and give a limit Exactly. They said, "Here, eat eat this red bell pepper. It has more vitamin C than a than an orange." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You guys, this is the whole Tommy Two Thumbs thing again. I'm doing my best. <laughs> no, okay. So, um, so uh, you've heard though myths and legends of people who live beneath the uh, the waters of Crimson Vale Lake. Interesting. Um, yeah, Magram will say, you know, in my studies, I encountered something that talked about that there were uh, mythological races of creatures that perhaps lived beneath the lake itself here. Uh, perhaps those are not so mythological. Do you, did you ever think that maybe or ever hear that they maybe were of elvish descent? Can we just says his amazing history check have anything with that? Um, no, necessarily no. Honestly, if you ask an elf... Every single humanoid race is of elvish descent. <laughs> That's very true. That's a point. That is true. That's fair. Okay, well, maybe there's some truth to that. Um, I don't want to deal with them right now, though. Well, I wonder if they were worshipping something else down there, deeper below. I think they were at least definitely worshipping whatever we were grabbing from. Yeah, well, and what you guys grabbed, let's just uh, cover that now that you have a chance to actually look at it. Um, so, Guy, you grabbed the ring off of this, like, what did I say, 30-foot-tall statue, this massive statue. Um, when you grabbed that ring off, it was the size of, like, a very big bracelet. And by the time you got up here to look at it again, it is now the size of a ring. Oh, okay. So it has it has uh, shrunk down to size. Uh, Sylvie, the fan that you hold, um, it opens like... Uh, like a paper fan or like a fabric fan, but you see, you catch just the slightest glint, uh, a sheen or a, a, a bling, and as you open it, you hear a shink. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you hear the sound of like shink, like a like a sword being drawn from a scabbard, and uh, it looks like the edge of this fan is also very very sharp. Um, <gasps> is it a katana fan from Mortal Kombat? Yeah, can I like throw this fan around? It is still actually fabric. It's not a it's not a metal fan. It is fabric, but there is something about the edge that seems incredibly sharp. Ooh. Hey, catch! 
I just took a sip. Now I almost spit it out all over my computer. I will. I will attempt to catch it. Wait, is she throwing it? Are you really throwing it? Uh, I'll toss it. I'll toss it. Yeah. Okay. But so I will. I'll open it and I'll kind of toss it and see what happens. Okay, make it. You need to make a ranged attack roll with disadvantage, <laughs> as this fan is not meant to be thrown. Oh. Okay. Well. So it's not a katana fan. You know what I'm talking about when I say katana fan, I, right? I know what you're saying. Yes, Nobody's I do. Nobody's reacting to it. It's a great. It's a. It's a great reference. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh. Yeah. No. With a disadvantage, that's a four. Okay. Almost was a nineteen, though. <laughs> Jeez. Could have been. Should have been. This fan falls to the ground in front of of front of Guy. Um. Yeah, Guy, you see this fan at your feet. Yeah, I'll pick it up. Okay. Cool. Very okay. Good. I'll hold on. I'll hold on to this until we get a chance to look at it. Well, I don't think you're supposed to throw it, but all right. All right. So should, do you want to go northwest or southeast? Do you want to go out the way you guys came in, or do you guys want to go explore further in? You got to remember now, at this point, it's you guys came early in the morning, like 5 a.m. So right now, it's probably only like 6 a.m., 6.30, um, and uh, the day has just started, basically. And remind me, this was the day we were going to go check back in with the druids? Yes, this was uh, the day that Arnold said that they should all be able to gather. And I also did want to put in a quick research request from the librarians at the uh, Prolian archives as well. Okay. Wait, and then we're also, we're going to go visit the druids, but we're also going to go to the safe house. For the silent voice? Yes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, then maybe we don't explore further. Maybe we go get cleaned up and then go <laughs> see some people. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like we have a busy day. I think we, <laughs> we get out of here. That sounds like a plan. Let's head on out. All right, everybody else go first. I can, if if they start coming up here, I can jump across quickly. So everybody else can take the boat one at a time. And I'll, we and I'll be last. We have been swimming in this while we were down there. I, I don't know that yeah, it's going to make much difference. I don't know that difference. it makes any difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, also you would be fighting a current um, here. The, the water is being sucked down into the center, like a, almost like a oh, whirlpool. Um, so, yeah, there is, there is poo-poo pee-pee moving past your feet left and right. I don't like this. <laughs> Magrum's like, yes, yes, I do not like it either. <laughs> yes, Very terrible. This is the worst. The worst thing I have ever dealt with. He says that as he's as he's walking around like a kid in mud puddles. Pulling <laughs> oh, out right. vials, filling things. <laughs> All right, well, then you guys head back uh, to the northwest and back through some of these tunnels in these sewers. You can see that there is uh, definitely water moving through a lot of these chambers. You pass by, um, you pass through these chambers that have like a tunnel with a walkway on either side with this channel of water flowing down towards uh, towards drains and, and down into uh, cisterns, that kind of thing, uh, until you finally reach the ladder that leads back up to the drain and takes you back out onto the streets of the Sweet Quarter, which is the southern quarter of the uh, of the city, just south of the castle. Aren't you guys glad I bought you new clothes so we don't have to wear these the rest of the day? I suppose I am glad. I think I'm just going to throw these ones out. I, I, I don't know that they're salvageable. I don't know. I'm kind of attached to I'm kind of attached to what I'm wearing right now because it it's kind of what my sprite is representing. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm gonna see if we can find a um like a laundry, or I guess you could just pee on my clothes. They use urine to clean clothes, don't they? I mean, yes, honestly. Well, you distill it first, and 
get a, make turn it into ammonia, but I think that's We don't have thing. time. <laughs> we don't have time for this pee on me we now. Don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a jellyfish thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well let's head back to the Oaken Throne and get cleaned up. Yes. Maybe we should go take a quick dip. I guess we're standing out in the rain as well. So this could probably like be a shower. And then and remove layers as we make our way to the Oaken Throne. I'm sure the Oaken Throne can heat up some water. <laughs> By the time oh, we get to the Oaken Throne, uh, Guy has like taken off each piece of clothing and like wrung it out a little bit, try to get somewhat clean just with the rainwater. Oh, By the gosh. time he gets there, he's just in his undies and boots. Yeah, it is pouring down rain when you guys and get like to the And it's like Lazel's underwear he's wearing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it is pouring down rain, uh, just uh, huge drops. You can see rivulets of water uh, going down like uh, along the streets on the cobblestones. You can see that there's drains all over the city that the water is flowing into. And before long, just like maybe two minutes of walking and you are at the Oaken Throne. You guys want to get cleaned up, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it's just the polite thing to do at this point. And I think breakfast is in order and a short rest. They have antibacterial soap here. <laughs> <laughs> they have prestidigitation potentially, but it's illegal. And I, Sylvia, you've already established you don't have prestidigitation, right? Prestidigitation what? No, I don't. Because that's the, that's the clean you up spell. <laughs> no, that, that was never really something I thought was very... Um... Important as far as uh, learning to do spells, but honestly, I guess I didn't realize how much poo poo and pee pee was involved in adventuring. Oh, well, let me tell you what <laughs> I've been through a lot, and uh, it is a pretty regular part of adventuring. <laughs> All right, you got you guys get to the Oaken Throne. As you walk in, you can see that the morning uh, breakfast crowd is is coming in. You see people who are. Uh, dressed for work who are just coming in to grab a bite to eat before they head to their shops or whatever. You see a lot of people wearing these thick, heavy woolen uh, cloaks to keep the rain off just so they can stay warm. Uh, you can see that the the dwarven uh, bartender is uh, serving up food. You see that there's a couple of uh, other servants that are walking around putting out dishes and plates. And um, yeah, you guys move into the Oaken Throne. With all of your stuff in your arms, is that kind of what the deal is? Are you guys going to go through the common room, or are you guys going to go up the stairs and go up straight up to your room? I think I'm the only one who was taking off his clothes. <laughs> At least I'm the only one who said I was. Yeah, I was going to order a bath. So okay, so you go up to the uh, the bartender. She's like, "Oh, well, oh, whew. you guys have uh, been out in it, huh? Well, uh, uh, do you want some breakfast? That sounds delightful. I'll take a mug of spiced wine if you have it. Something to warm me up." All right, she pours you some spiced wine. Uh, she gets you, uh, Ornan, some breakfast. And Sylvie, you wanted a bath? Uh, yes, I would I would love it if you could draw a bath. Um, I, I would take that and some breakfast up in my room. She's like, uh, she kind of thinks about it for a second. She's like, third floor, right? Yes. Uh, I tell you what, I can do a bath back here, but I'm not hauling the tub all the way up to the third floor. All right, but I want my breakfast in the tub. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, she actually uh, she uh, calls over uh, a servant, uh, one of the serving men, to go and start warming up some water to fill up the bath. And then uh, she there's this small little like uh, and a mimosa. <laughs> there's a small little storage room right behind the bar. 
there are barrels and crates and stuff in there. There's also a staircase going down into some kind of a basement, but there is a tub. It looks like normally the tub is dragged out and taken up to a room uh, for people to take a bath, but she's going to have you bathe right back here in this storage room. Um, so you guys get started on that. You, uh, so Ornan's eating some breakfast. Ghee, what are you doing? Because Magram is also drinking some spiced wine. Uh, Ghee is just going to call dibs on uh, second bath. And in, in, in the meantime, I'm uh, going to go up to my room and hang up my clothes to dry. Okay, perfect. So everyone's just kind of relaxing a little bit. Um, Sylvie, you are in the tub. Ghee, you are upstairs uh, hanging out your clothes. Magram, you are uh, nursing your wine, just letting it like warm you up after being out in that pr- torrential downpour and also swimming through the pee-pee-poo-poo. And then Ornan, you're eating a nice hearty breakfast of like uh, cream of wheat and um, some <laughs> ham and eggs. A Weetabix. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you guys are all sitting, uh, just kind of relaxing, taking a, taking a second, taking a breath. Sylvie, as you are um, relaxing in the tub, you've got your your mimosa, your fantasy mimosa uh, in your hand. Uh, you, your mind kind of starts to wander, starts to drift. You start to think about all that's happened to you over the last couple of days. And, and before you know it, your mind has wandered far, far to a point that you don't even know how you got there. And you realize that you're seeing something and it seems familiar, not that the place is familiar, but the phenomenon that you're experiencing feels familiar. You are looking out over a forest with your back leaning against a tree trunk. You're high up in the boughs of an evergreen tree and you can hear below you howls, snaps, growls, and as you look down you can see there is a pack of wolves but they are not howling at you they're not barking or growling at you they have turned on each other this pack of wolves that has run through the woods and through the fields together just being in your presence they have turned on each other I don't think I'm Sylvie anymore am I Oh, that's extra sad because in the wild, wolves are mostly just families. As you watch these wolves snip and bite at each other, finally one, not the alpha, but one of the younger ones, smaller, just the chaos that revolves around you, Jib-Jab, and it goes to take a bite out of one of its packmates. A melee ensues fur flies there is howling and yipping and um, crying of these wolves as they tear into each other Jibjab sits up in the tree looking down at these wolves and even after all this time a tear slides down their cheek as they see what they have done Gee, you hang up your clothes. You are wringing them out. You look at like your blue, isn't like blue tabard that you have that you wear over your armor? Yeah, it's like blue with some stripes. Yeah. Yeah, blue with some stripes. 
thinking back on how you got it, where it came from, all the times that it was thrown to the floor in fits of passion. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I went there, but I did. And your mind starts to wander back as well. Just thinking back, you know, just it's just been just a little over a week since you guys left Baragrad. A little over a week since you found out that the woman that you had been spending so much time with was a uh, probably a follower of Ball um, and probably a murderer in her own right. And maybe an old lady or at least an old lady dresser. <laughs> an older lady than she presented herself as. You start to think back even before that, as all of the events that brought you here, all of the travels that you've gone to, you start to, you know how your mind will wander and you, eventually you, you forget how you got from one place to the next, but somehow you end up in these memories and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about that for a long time. And then you realize that you are looking at a dark but elaborate sitting room and you can see the well-dressed patrons are sitting facing you watching the stage the smiles on their faces belie the fear in their eyes you can see that tears are streaming down their cheeks over these basically glued on smiles suddenly our laugh erupts around the room but it's not from any of the onlookers a figure on the stage you hop off of a stool your dirty decaying motley outfit stitched together here and there and the checkered face paint has been smeared by your own tears. Jokes are done. Now it's time for the juggling. Do I have a volunteer? The small clown asks. In unison, the patrons of this mad circus raise their hands as tears leak from open eyes. The clown pulls out five knives and begins to juggle them effortlessly. Glancing out at the audience, you can see you, James, yuck, yuck, Bartles, can see that the five lucky volunteers from last night's show are still here, sitting in their seats to watch the show, their eyes open, their heads rolling to the side, and their chests pierced by knives. Jeez. Oh, Wow. <laughs> do you do you remember remember when he he used to tell uh, you might be a mimic jokes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy took a turn. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy went the Christian route. Uh James Yuck Yuck Bartles is going a different route. <laughs> Ornan, you are sitting here at this table shoveling food into your mouth. You are so hungry. Uh, You uh, worked up quite the appetite down below as you are uh, thinking about this food that you're eating. Your mind naturally wanders back to the all the way in and the food that Gemma used to make and how, how much better it was. You know, Gemma just, she just knew how to add in the mushrooms and the vegetables in a way that just, mm, it just was so good to your palate. Your mind cannot help but remember back uh, before when Gemma and your brother Kino Sr. were still married. And the times you all spent together as family. And then back even further, back to Glimhaven, back to your time as a soldier. And back and back and back, your mind goes to places you didn't know it would go. It went to a dark, not dark like at night, but just dark clouds raining 
pouring down on you. You can see ahead of you, there is this small, dark figure that is moving, uh, walking along over these raised wooden walkways that stretch across stinking water as you walk through this town or city built in swampy marshland. You watch this figure as you follow behind. The figure walks past an inn with a creaking sign blowing in the wind. As you glance at it, you see Weathered Willows Inn. And then you pass by this small abandoned shed. You see that the uh, this small figure turns its head and you can see the black beak of bubbles. Glance over at this abandoned rundown shed for just a split second and then turn back ahead and continue walking. Walking on past a silversmith who is closing up for the night. As you continue to follow along behind your brother dutifully. Oh, man. Magram, this wine is so good. It's just really, really hitting the spot, warming you up from the inside out. Your your clothes are soaked. You are tired and exhausted uh, from being almost beaten to death by the tail of a giant snake. But this wine, just the smell of it, it just mm, through your nose, just so good. And you are suddenly aware of another taste. Not wine. It is uh, stronger. You glance about your heavily fortified windowless stone room and you see all of the work you've been working on for, gosh, how long? You've lost track of time. On each of these tables lies a different device. The craftsmanship of each is superb. The purpose of each is the same blades adorn one round construct on top of a plinth there's a glowing red ruby that sparkles with orange and yellow light as heat waves shimmer off of it other tables hold more and more suddenly a golden helmet is hurled across the room to crash into a wall the elaborate device is affixed shattering on impact you lift a bottle to your lips again and you spritz, you knock it back, and then toss that empty bottle into a pile of previously emptied bottles. Fatigue lines your eyes, and you know, you know that you can go no longer, that sleep is finally going to catch up to you again. Three days this time you held out, but once again, your body betrays you, and you know that the dreams that you can't seem to protect yourself from will once again wreak havoc on your mind. And then you all wake up from this waking dream. If anybody wants to gather any info from the vision that they had, tell me how you want to gather info. Like what check do you want to make? Nature check, history check. What kind of a check would you like to make to gather 
something from this experience you just had? I think Sylvie would want to know like where Jib Jab is location wise, if if she can tell based on like the trees and stuff. Um, I guess maybe nature. Yeah, make a nature check. We'll say the difficulties are all 15. That is a dirty 20. A dirty 20. As you are remembering the vision that you just saw through Jib Jab's eyes, you recall glancing off to the side and seeing where the sun is behind a clouded sky. Uh, the sun tells you that the time of day is right now. It's the same time of day. You get the distinct impression, this is now. And the vision of Jibjab looking back to the west, you can see on the horizon a sparkle of water and what looks like a very distant, dark smudge of a city. And you think that this is Jibjab now and Jibjab has gone east, which if you look at the world map, that would actually be out of Alaron Barony. Huh. Who's next? So I would like to know, my assumption is that James uh, Bartles was using magic to kind of control the crowd. I want to know how much was control via magic and how much was control via just sheer terror of his actions. Okay. Why don't you make a, an arcana check or insight? I'll take the insight because I get a plus one on that. That's a dirty 20 as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey. Um, okay. <laughs> nice. Twinning. Um, so with your uh, insight of 20, you see that during this performance, there was definitely something magical holding them in place. Not just them, but holding their smiles in place as well. Okay. The tears were their own, but the smiles. Love that joker fish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the smiles, the <laughs> smiles, uh, the smiles were James's doing. But you also get the impression that when James is not performing, it may very well be more fear that keeps people here as opposed to um, something magical. Okay. Who is next? What was the name of the inn that I saw? The name of the inn that you saw was called Weathered Willows Inn. Um, I would like to know, I would like to see if I know where in the world that is. Make an insight check or a history check. <gasps> I got a 21 on insight. You just had to show us up. I, I was trying to twin, but I, I, I failed. Honestly, so you failed rude. up though. You failed up. Um, typical white man. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> Did you watch the Trevor Noah special? He says that in there. No. Oh gosh. Okay, so with your insight of twenty-one, um, you may have already figured this out. In fact, I think you probably already did figure this out, Scott. Inside of twenty-one, you don't know where the Weathered Willows Inn is, but. The line betwixt the willows and the silver comes to mind. <gasps> oh. And you know instinctively, is this Clodvina? Is this Clodvina in Pythria? Is this the same place that the letter from Cassandra the Unnatural? Yeah. Is, is, this, is was, this? You're right. This was something that 
I, the player, thought might be the case, and now Ornan thinks is the case. So sounds like we're headed east. Point of order, it was a letter from MB, Master Bader, to Cassandra the Unnatural. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And what I meant was it's the letter that was on her, yes. (laughs) The the letter I thought might have been Master Bubbles, not Master Bader. Sorry, listeners. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But he does that too. (laughs) Who doesn't? It's natural and it's fun. (laughs) It's natural. It's chemical. (laughs) And then, um, Magum, is there anything that you would like to glean from your vision? What I think Mogram would be trying to wrap his head around would be what curse afflicts somebody like their their ability to sleep and prevents them or or inflicts them with nightmares. And so and he's thinking, who could I speak to or speak with related to this? And so I don't know if there's like an arcana check that might give him some insight into that. But really what what Mogram's hoping for is some direction about how he can try to uncover more information about what may have happened to Spritz to cause this to happen. That's kind of two things you want to learn. So make an arcana check uh, on that. Or or you can do religion if you want to instead. I'll do I'll do arcana. Uh, 13. What I will tell you with a 13, because technically that is a failure, but what I will tell you with a 13 is you gather that Spritz can sleep he does not want to sleep he is forcing himself awake yeah another thing that you do notice is that that helmet that he threw against the wall it looks similar to one that he was working on in a previous vision although this one looked way more intricate like the first one was a prototype and this one was eighth ninth tenth fifteenth generation got it okay all right you all managed to Shake yourselves from these waking dreams slash visions, whatever they are, and how about it? Uh, Guy will uh, smell his body to see just how bad he smells. Uh, pretty gnarly. Pretty gnarly. And you're going to be sharing, you're going to be using uh, Sylvie's water. Um, I was too, just going to so. say, Sylvie rolls on out and says, all right, whoever's next, but don't throw the baby out with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, she walks upstairs in her robe and with slippers. Yeah, Guy comes, uh, comes running down the stairs as soon as he hears that with just a towel. And kind of like with Pine, it's just in the front. <laughs> He's just kind of holding it over the front <laughs> as he comes running downstairs through the main room into That's the, the bath. That's the smallest towel I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, then he is now taking a bath. What are, uh, and then Sylvia is getting dressed, I guess. Uh, Ornan and Magram, you guys are both down in the common room. Ornan would like to ask if, um, when it's his turn to bathe, if there is clean water. Uh, it'll cost you extra. But yeah, we can get you some more clean water. Money's not a problem. Don't you sweat it. Oh, all right. So then she's like, hey. And she snaps at the, the same serving man who filled up the tub before. He's like, we need more water. And he's like, ah. Oh. Uh, and then he goes out and grabs some buckets and goes out to go start hauling water into the well. Magram, anything you want to do before we kind of fast forward to everybody being clean and having a short rest? I, I guess, is there anybody still down in that main room? Ornan is just waiting for Guy to, to finish, if that's what you mean, if there's anybody like of the party. Guy's in the back room if you guys want to come talk to me. Yeah, Guy is over behind the bar in the storage room using the tub. 
I think I'd walk over to Ornan after this little, like, kind of waking dream. And I think I would say something to the effect of, a moment ago, my thoughts were drawn away as though I was in one of those dreams that we had had previously, but it was something new. Um, I'm, I keep feeling like there is something there that we're missing. Perhaps some clue as to what happened or where we should go. But I, I have no thoughts. I was curious if you had any insight yourself or any experiences. Well, I was uh, thinking about old times and memories, and and uh, I, I had a moment as well, a, a vision of sorts like we used to have. But this one, I, I think it's, I think it was happening right now. And well, I, I made a connection that that I think is a little upsetting. Do you remember that uh, that woman below the keep that we fought that attacked us and nearly killed you? Yes, Cassandra the Unnatural. Uh, Guy yells from the other room, The Witch of the Woods? <laughs> no, the, the, yeah. the Unnatural Lady, Cassandra. One and the same, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I... There was a line in that letter. He, he uh, told her to meet him. The, whoever wrote it told her to meet him betwixt the willows and the silver, and... Well, I... I watched... Bubbles walk between an inn called the Weathered Willows and right past a silversmith. And I I think I think that MB in that letter was Bubbles. What? Is that even possible? I I was not Bubbles like a Kenku or something like that? That's yes, he was. That would make him hundreds of years old. I did not think that they, as a race, would be so long-lived, but then again, we did run into this uh, jib-jab. Yeah, this is, uh, I think, if we want to get to the bottom of things, we, we might head that direction eventually. I think this makes a lot of sense. It keeps growing in my mind, this fear that there is more that we need to be doing on this front, that there is some sort of calamity that is almost growing or accelerating and yet I feel like we have not uncovered much of anything that would help us know what to do or what it is that it could be coming yeah in the last campaign we met the big bad right off the bat <laughs> I know right <laughs> <laughs> episode one <laughs> it's true it's true Seeing all the uh, extra like stuff floating at the bottom of the tub he's <laughs> taking a very quick bath and he's going to come out in just his towel as well Oh, gosh. Hey, guys. Did your towel <laughs> shrink? <laughs> I think at this point, Sylvie is fully clothed, and she will roll on in as well. Got it. Okay. I have my towel around my waist covering all the stuff. I'm just teasing. But giving everybody in that room a show, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ornan will fill um, Guy and Sylvie in on what he told to Magram as well. I also had a crazy dream vision waking dream thing this James Bartles guy very unhinged I'm hoping that that wasn't happening currently because whatever he was doing was it was awful I hate to say this but I also had a vision and the vibe I got was that it was jib jab right now 
kind of causing a bunch of wolves to kill each other, which was really, really actually pretty terrible. Um, didn't like that. Kind of traumatic. I think I have you beat. Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a competition, but everything's a competition, and I will win. No, James, James seemed to have enthralled a crowd in a, um, some kind of a theater, and was throwing knives at them as if he were juggling and controlling them, making them stay put, and taking their will from them. Hmm. If you're looking for a big bad, I think I may have found him. Definitely disturbing. Now we just need to find where he is. Did you say that that uh, Jib-Jab's headed east? Yeah, Jib-Jab, they were, they were pretty far up in a tree, um, and from what I could tell, it looked like they were east of the town here, so that would be my best guess. Well, Pythria is east of here, and Claudvina is in Pythria, and that's that's due east. Well, perhaps that's where our road takes us. Well, I don't know if it'd be road. Probably river would be faster. <laughs> yes, the metaphorical road. Jack Kerouac on the road kind of thing. I love that Legend Keeper shows all of us are there now. <laughs> <laughs> for all of you patrons who are $10 or more we're looking at the Vio Severia map on the wiki that you also have access to and it's so convenient and beautiful guys oh yeah it looks like there are there are basically two ways to get to well there's three ways to get to Pythria you can take the road which goes down um, past Mirlof so it heads kind of south east to Mirlof and then it loops back northeast uh, back up to Cladvina, which is also on like it's a lake but it's also um, it's also a lot of swamp and marshland up uh, by the mountains uh, so there is the road or you can travel by river down to Stillwater Lake which is where Mirlof is it, it's uh, built along the lake um, and then take the river back up towards Cladvina. Or you can go straight across through pine and conifer forest uh, to Cladvina that way. Which seems to be what Jib-Jab is probably doing. It seems like once they leave, things calm down, but I'm not sure we really want to follow in their wake. Agreed. I mean, I like the river, but I also like horses I've, I've found. <laughs> <laughs> if that's where we want to go, I wonder if um, Ryla would be willing to sell us Mibbles and Coco. Have them pull a card for us. Or maybe maybe Ryla's going that way. I mean, I wouldn't mind hanging out with Ryla a little bit longer. <laughs> well, it's been a while, but I used to have a riding puppy that was just delightful. Maybe we should. I should buy a new one and we can hit the road. And then I, I, uh, I'll look down at Prancival and say, Don't worry, he's not talking about you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a little big for you, Prancival, but... <laughs> Prancival is up to your belly button, though. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's that big? You're that small. I didn't really. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm okay. kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> I think it makes sense to go there, but we have a couple things to do here still, right? We wanted to talk with the druids, and we still have to get that sweet cheddar from the uh, from the Baron's bookkeeper. And the silent voice. Don't forget uh, the silent voice. Oh, right. Yes, sorry. Yes, perhaps then we just aim to try to wrap up whatever it is we need to do within the next day or two, and then we head east. To Pythria. To Pythria. To Pythria. I've got to Pythria. 
<laughs> I just spent the morning in Sapithria. <laughs> Has anybody been to Pithria? Has anybody been to Cladvina? Cladvina is the capital, uh, the, the, the baron's seat of Pithrian barony. He has been there once or twice, but not okay. didn't spend any time there. Not significant time there. Sylvie's never been there. Part of Magram's backstory is that he joined his Krahanest while attending the University of Vekgard, but in his youth kind of grew up, was born and raised basically in the Pythrian barony. Oh, got it. Okay. So that's the accent I get to work on when you guys go there. Okay. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Uh, Ornan, has Ornan ever been there before? Uh, no, Ornan hasn't been there. Okay. Basically, if it's connected by rivers in this kind of central area of Viosaveria, then Guy has passed through. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so then Guy, you would have then been to Cladvina, but probably uh, not to the other main cities in no. Pythria because they're not connected by like navig- navigatable, navigable, nav- navigable, navigable, mm-hmm. navigable waterways. Hmm. So at least not by like uh, any kind of like ship, uh, but, you know, rowboats and stuff. But you still have to drag them across to dry land occasionally. And uh, the the waterways disappear and reform. Uh. Or we could just put wheels on a keelboat. I don't know. It's, I, I don't think it'd work physics wise, but I think it sounds kind of fun. I've played the Oregon Trail and I can tell you that fording the river like that is very dangerous. That's how you lose oxen. <laughs> and how you get dysentery <laughs> you break an arm and die two days later yes <laughs> oh, gosh what a brutal game has anybody be- beaten that game have any of you guys beaten that game yes i beat it when i was oh, you course. beat it yeah how? i never made it past the great the plains time. yeah no i guess i still yeah. play it i will i will not buy any supplies i'll just buy bullets and every day i'll hunt buffalo and it's like you <laughs> kill a, you kill a 1200 pound buffalo you can gather 80 pounds yeah no wonder you keep dying you need to bring extra wagon parts and yeah. Nah, make it out of buffalo hide and buffalo bones. The new one that you can play on your phone is actually like really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll have to check it out. That sounds nostalgic and awesome. Well, anyway, we could we could get horses, we could get a wagon, we could see about getting a boat. It all depends on how you all are feeling. I like boats. I like horses. I like coffee. I like tea. I like turtles. <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> Boats would certainly be the fastest mode of transportation, no? I'm partial to getting some horses. Depending on where we needed to go from Cladvina, we could even dock it there or even sell it once we arrived. But I don't know if we even will get enough to purchase a boat. I haven't looked into the market for a while, not since my last boat burned. Well, do we need to purchase it? Can we not just hire a boat to travel us down, at least downriver? We could hire a boat, but you got me. (laughs) I used to be a captain. Uh, yep. <laughs> I hope I hope you're as good as captaining as you are at picking locks. <laughs> oh snap! Or or we could see we could see if if Ryla is heading toward Cladvina, and maybe we could just go with her wagon train again. You know, you're mostly dry at this point. I I think I'm gonna step into the tub for a minute. Oh, I would wait for them to f- change the water out. Um, we left some floaters. Oh, yeah. they, oh dear! <laughs> uh, floaters! Yikes! Did they come from the sewers or were those uh, fresh? I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> Plans for the rest of the day: get dressed, rest for a little bit, and then go out and see the druids. I think as we as we pass by the Prolian archives, I'd like to just quickly 
stop in and ask a researcher for some help on a, a simple problem. I think that's a great idea. All right, very good. Okay, so you guys all get cleaned up. You change your clothes. You take a bit of a break. You get a short rest. I would like to spend that short rest looking at this ring. I had a feeling that might happen. Does anybody want to look at the fan? Uh, I'll check it out. Why not? I'll finally take a good look at the key as well. Also, if we get a chance, I would like to copy down um, Rosetta Stone into my book. Okay. I could take the time to teach you, dude, but you got to be cool. Honestly, what it, what it would be, how it kind of works with um, Guy's book is the spell is already in there somewhere. What I would be looking for is like the the formula you used and kind of cross-referencing it in the book itself to see where it is. And then I'd be able to kind of decipher what it's supposed to do. Does that make sense? That's crazy, dude. That is not at all how I learned how to do this. Well, it's because somebody already wrote it down. I just had to figure out where it actually is in here because a lot of the notes and things, I don't understand because they're written in, you know, ye old Vio Severian. <laughs> well, uh, so are you going to spend this break writing in um, the spell um, Rosetta Stone or are you going to be spending it looking at the ring? Let's do the ring first. We can do Rosetta Stone later tonight. All right, so, Guy, you start looking at this ring, turning it over in your hand as you're just kind of hanging out in your room, on your bed, just kind of resting, burning hit dice, whatever you want to do. And you realize that this is, we'll call this Elsawin's ring. Elsawin, again, was that uh, the large statue in that underground chamber, the uh, self-styled queen, Elsawin Sunseeker. The uh, ring actually has one charge. It does require attunement. But one time per day, you can use that charge to cast Mage Armor. Hey, Sylvia, I found a ring for you. <laughs> you know how you're, like, really easy to hit? You mean hit on because I'm so attractive? Yeah, and also, like, physically take a beating. Here, take this, and I'll toss the ring to you. Oh, damn, this is sick. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll take this. Ah, uh, classic yield speak. I love it. It looks so good on me. Basically, this will let you use uh, the power in the ring every day to provide yourself some kind of a magical armor. That actually could be kind of useful. I am a little bit squishy, I've been told. I mean, look, you're firm where it counts and you're soft where it's fun. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Sylvia's going to blush a little bit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Actually, a lot of it. I say, wait, Guy, are you still in that towel? <laughs> oh no, I'm all dressed now. Oh, okay, just a little bit of a blush. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just remember Mage Armor only lasts eight hours and it's only one time a day, so it refreshes at dawn. All right. Uh, Magram, you're going to look at this fan. This fan, um, it is, we'll call this Elsawin's fan. This fan looks to be cloth, and yet there's something magical about it, obviously. The edge of the fan, it can actually strike as a weapon. It does not have like a plus one or anything, but it does deal magical damage, magical slashing damage. Okay, so if if a creature takes half damage unless it's hit by a magical weapon, this will count as a magical weapon. Um, and then, okay, that line was golden. I have no <laughs> idea where that came from. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so this fan can be used as a weapon or it can also be uh, waved in the air to cast Gust of Wind, okay? Now, just like the item from the Dungeon Master's Guide, if you use it once a day, you'll be fine. 
if you use it a second time, there is a 20% chance that it will tear to shreds. If you use it a third time, there's a 40% chance. So every time you use it past one, the chance of it tearing to shreds will increase by 20%. Got it. Interesting. But you can use it as, we'll just call it as a scimitar, right? It just has scimitar stats, um, which is why you couldn't throw it. (laughs) But um, okay. Yeah, but it is a D6 weapon that deals magical slashing damage. Hmm. All right. And Ornan, you pull out the boot key, the key to the city. The key to the city is a magic key that will open any mundane lock. When you put the key into a lock and you turn it, you roll a d20. On a 2 through 20, the lock that it is in is destroyed, meaning not usable. You cannot relock that lock. There is an audible pop that is uh, it's audible only for about 50 feet. So it's not a stealthy item. Uh, you will be heard uh, unless you're all alone. If you roll a one on the uh, on the twenty sided die, then this is where it gets gnarly. Okay, the key is destroyed. The lock fuses shut, cannot be opened by any means. You have to figure out another way around it. And the person turning the key will take six d ten force damage. I had been considering giving this to Guy, but I don't think I will. I don't want want anybody else to explode. I have lockpicks. I don't need a magic key. I'm good at it on my own. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, yeah, you're so good at it. No, I figured it out. I was doing the I was doing the math wrong before. I actually have a plus five to try to lockpick. And what were you rolling it as? A plus two? I was a uh, plus three. I think I, I was doing. It. Oh, okay. Uh, I even added it as a uh, custom skill on my D and D Beyond. Oh, okay. oh, that's a good idea. Question, Paul. There's two other things that we found so far that we have not looked at thoroughly. Yes, there is the ch- the chest that we just picked up and brought with us. Okay. But there was also a vial of green goo on um the one of the one of the crows. Okay. This will not take a short rest. This one you guys can just kind of all gather together and look at together. So yeah, Eldarin, uh the Darin, he had this vial of green goo. Oh yeah, it was Eldarin. Yeah, he had a blade, a sword that looked like it had some sort of poison or something uh, along the blade. It's fair to assume that this might be the poison that he used on the um, on the blade. But if you want to do like an arcana or um, investigation, you can determine kind of what kind of poison it is. Vogram rolled a 26 on arcana for that. Okay, cool. Nobody else <laughs> needs to roll. Um, that This is a poison. It is a superior poison, meaning you can put it on a weapon. And then instead of it just being like on your next attack, um, this will actually last for five attacks. And it adds on an extra 2d6 poison damage. And the weapon has to be piercing or slashing. Ornan, I think that'd be perfect for you. Yeah, I can put it on my pick or or this new short sword that I've been using. That's so pretty I, cool. You yeah, made pretty it's... good use of it last time. It's fancy, but uh, I'm I'm more partial to my to my uh, war pick. So we'll, we'll see. I would recommend not doing what I do whenever I play any RPG, which is hold on to it and never actually use it. <laughs> <laughs> but 
also never sell it because you might use it. Because <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and it doesn't take up very much weight in your inventory. So you might as well have 18 vials of poison in your inventory. <laughs> Uh, all right. Oh, very cool. And then you also want to look at this at this chest. This chest is a magical chest. It has resisted the aging effects. It also has resisted uh, water and stuff that has been beating on it for who knows how long. And it is locked. The lock itself appears to be mundane. Well, Guy, you're the you're the resident lock picker. Hey, Guy seems awfully silent here. Now the chest the chest is not massive it's about gift box size. Okay. Or gift <laughs> gift basket size. I ruined it. It's about gift, gift basket, basket size. size. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not a super large chest. Um okay, so I for I my think lock the chest picking, is perfect just the size it is. <laughs> for my lock picking I rolled a 24. <laughs> I like chests of all sizes. Um okay. Yeah. Um yes. Okay, so with your 24 you start digging around in the lock and Maybe this has been all the joking around about how, oh, yeah, Guy's a lock picker and everything. But within about, oh, 25 seconds, you feel you feel all the tumblers uh, fall into place and pops open. And it's dry inside. And there are five rolled up scrolls. Ooh. Can I pick one up and, like, see what it says? Uh, you can pick one up and see what it says. Um, as you pick up this scroll, you see that there are symbols and there are um, kind of incantations on it. And you realize that this is a spell scroll. So here is what we are going to do. There are five scrolls in this chest. And I have a list of 10 possible spells that it could be. So we are going to start by rolling a d10. So who's rolling it? I'll go first since I opened it and I picked up the first scroll. Okay, cool. That's a two. That will be the scroll uh, of Snare, a level one spell. Okay. All right, who wants to roll next? I mean, Sylvie will definitely be all up in that. Yeah, I'll give one shot too. So will Ornan. Ornan rolled a seven. Ornan, with your seven, you pull out a scroll that is uh, a level three spell called Liamin's Tiny Hut. <gasps> I love that one. I can't read this, Sylvie. Here. Syl- Sylvia, roll a d8. Uh, that's a seven. Ooh. Oh, wow. What are the chances? Um, Sylvie, you pull out a scroll that is water breathing. Ooh. Convenient. All right. Uh, Magram, roll a d8. Yes. I got a six. You pull out a, another level three scroll, non-detection. Oh, okay. Interesting. Here is the deal. There is one more scroll left. I need somebody to roll a d6, but I'll tell you this. There are two level one spells, three level two spells, and there is one level four spell possible left. If you roll a six, you get a level four spell. I'm not rolling that. I think I think Guy has to. I think Guy has got to do it. He's the one who lockpicked this. Yeah, but I found snare. That's a ranger spell. <laughs> so you know it's great. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll roll it. Do it. I got a one. Nice. <laughs> okay, you find the spell. <laughs> Identify. Oh, that is useful. Okay. Yeah. Level one spell. Very cool. Looks like uh, three of them are ritual spells. So, Sylvie, you can copy this into your book, and then I can take a look at your notes and maybe figure out if I have them as well. Absolutely. Water breathing sounds awesome. It is pretty cool. 
anything with an innate swimming speed is really chill. <laughs> well what's cool is it lasts for 24 hours and it's ritual so basically you can just start every morning off by making sure that nobody will drown that day <laughs> you could uh, all right well very good so you find these scrolls it looks like uh scribing into a spell book um for each level of the spell it takes two hours and costs 50 gold pieces so a level three spell is going to take six hours and cost you 150 gold. Worth it. So putting these spells into your book, I mean, this is going to burn through a lot of your gold. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely worth. But yeah, I will definitely work on that over the next few days. I want, I want all, I want all water breathing Liam's tiny hut and uh, identify. Maybe I'll just start with identify for now, though. Yeah, I want to start with water breathing, but yeah. But Liaman's tiny hut would be super useful when we're traveling, though, out in the wilderness. Unless the enemy we're fighting knows to spell magic. <laughs> That's a great spell. All right. Uh, that, would be, that would be so terrible. Like, we're eight, 800 feet below the surface of the water. Dispel magic. What? All right. So you guys are here at the Oaken Throne. You're finishing up your long rest. You've been looking at these different items. This chest is still magical. The the lock on it, after you've popped it open, you realize the difficulty to open this lock is 20. Okay. And the, it looks like when you put something in this chest, it will be protected. It's not like a an interdimensional space, like a bag of holding, but it does protect from the elements outside, including apparently being totally submerged in water. Basically, we found a fire safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's roughly that size, like, um, probably, probably like two feet wide and maybe like a foot or two feet long, a foot wide. And then like maybe a foot tall. All right, everybody, you want to put your passports in here. Ornan, you want to take, you want to carry this in your bag? I'd be happy to. What a classy briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very cool. So now where are you guys off to at this point in the day? It's now, um, it's not quite lunchtime, but it feels like the day has just been really, really full. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, should we head to the Druids? With a a quick pit stop by the Prolian Archives. Yeah. Aren't you impressed, Paul? I have said Prolian Archives each time. I have not said anything about anything being prolapsed. (laughs) I was about to say, we're doing really well. I am impressed by that. I'm also excited to use my Prolian Archives map. Oh, I, I didn't want to do like a whole adventure there, but okay. Okay. You know me. I like to use the map so that it helps me describe things. Okay, okay. All right. Um, in fact, I'm going to go here to the wiki as well so I can see. Oh, by the way, if you are on the wiki and you are looking at places, um, it is not just um, overhead battle maps. I also take sometimes perspective shots uh, that allows you to see what our players will be seeing as they enter different spaces. So I'm going to the Prolian Archives right now to look at some of the pictures. I love the pretty fall colors. Well, it is the fall right now. It's fantasy fall. Um, Wait, do you make a separate version of each map for different seasons? Oh my gosh. No, I do not. I'm not. The, no, I do not. I, uh, I, but I do realize that you're here in Redlam in the fall. So I put down, uh, I put a lot of the fall colors in the trees and in the, uh, in the plant life. And it's beautiful. Thank you. 
Um, you head north around the castle towards the Prolian Archive. I've described the Prolian Archive multiple times, but just to recap, it is a large building. It looks like it's a round tower, but the tower has been split in the middle, and both halves of that round tower have been separated, one to the east and one to the west, and then there is a building in between. So it's like this half tower on either side, and then this kind of longer uh, single-story building in between that are all connected the building is made out of stone it has this kind of gothic architecture you can see arched windows you can see leaded windows um, uh, so arched leaded windows there you go you can see that it is built up on this raised terraced portion of uh, of the city and it is surrounded on the south side by these flower beds with uh with like these uh, maple trees that have all turned orange and yellow and brown with the fall and you uh you've also having been around this building multiple times you know that basically the north and the south are mirror images of each other as you approach though from the south you can see that there is this elaborately carved wooden door double door and you can see that there on either side of the door there are these statues of old wise men and women who are um sitting in different states of like pondering or thinking not the thinking man statue but like one of them has a book on their lap the other one has a quill in their hand as you enter the building you can see uh, that in the middle of this building there is a statue depicting Agma. it doesn't take too much to figure out who it is Agma is kind of the lord of knowledge it's this uh, deity who loves knowledge sometimes Agma has been depicted as this uh, fancifully dressed uh, figure with uh, armor on over like rich clothing almost looks more um, according to the wiki uh, looks more like they are dressed for a play or a part than for actual combat but you see this statue depicting Agma here in all of his elaborate and resplendent glory you can also see that um, to the left and to the right it looks like this building to the east and to the west are mere images of each other it's much longer east and west than it is north to south uh, and you can see there are people milling about there are arches holding up the ceiling in here and they are held uh to the wall with these arches and um on every one of these columns holding up the ceiling here at eye level there is a depiction of a figure holding a bowl and in the bowl is a candle all these different depictions of knowledge and of uh, the light of knowledge. There are a couple of tables and benches here. You can see people milling about uh, discussing things. Uh, you see that there is a dwarf and an elf who seem to be in not a heated argument, but um, sort of a, uh, a a disagreement about what is written on some piece of paper. You can see there is this archivist, uh, this woman uh, wearing the uh, kind of the green robes of the Prolian Archive, who is trying to help mitigate and mediate this this uh, discussion about this paper that they are discussing. Uh, to the left and to the right, though, you see there are two different figures at, at standing at double doors. So on the west side, there is double doors, and there is an older woman who is standing at this kind of podium with a book that is open. And on the, uh, on the east side, there is another podium with a book and these elaborately carved double doors. And there is this old gnomish man with, uh, with glasses on. Has anybody been to the Prolian Archive before? Not this one. I have done some research before, but I think um, uh, specifically on the Covingtons. But I think this time now with the added uh, benefit of connecting it to a current name, the Heartwoods, um, hopefully Guy can get some more information on the Covingtons. 
Okay. I was going to say something very similar that like in Mogram's background, he often did a lot of research and went to different um, like archives, but never the one here in Redlam. Okay. Um, you would know, though, that the Prolian Archive in general is split in two, and it's basically um, one half is uh, dedicated to, like, uh, natural history. Um, the other half is dedicated to sort of a political history. So uh, one side is your sciences. The other side is your histories and biographies and that sort of thing. And it seems like uh, the East... Uh, is generally the more political archive, the world that has been affected by humanity, by mankind, right? By um, intelligence. So that is the side with this old gnome standing by uh, by a book. Okay, I'll head that way. Yeah, I'll go with. Okay. Um, as you guys head over to uh, this, uh, this old gnome, uh, is everybody going over that way or is, is somebody else going to explore? I think we have plenty of questions we could ask about the natural world too on the other side just depends all right well yeah it looks like uh everybody's heading over to this uh this old gnome as you approach this double doors you can see that there is uh he is looking down at this book on this podium he's standing up on like a a three rung stool so he is like you know two and a half feet off the ground looking at this book and as you approach it oh uh, hello uh welcome to the prolian archive i am professor ironspark well, hello, Professor Ironspark. I was hoping you could help me with some research. I'm willing to pay. Oh, well, that's great because, you know, we we need to keep the lights on. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He's <laughs> like, oh, I'm so poor. Please <laughs> give me money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I'll do research for a sandwich. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. Okay, that was my, that was my Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> yes, oh. yes, I got it. I got it. It was great. I loved it. All right. He says he does say, "Oh, well, donations are." Oh, no, I'm doing Jimmy. Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, gosh. you were kind of already doing Jimmy Stewart. All right. All right. Well, you know what? He's now Jimmy. Lean Stewart. into it. Lean into all right, it. Here we go. Well, uh, we could always use more money here to help uh, support all the archivists and all the work that we do here. So, uh, uh, tell me, what is it you're interested in learning about? So, there's a family, a uh, historical family that. Um, I don't know if they were from here or another country, but they were of certain renown and prestige named the Covingtons. And um, I have been looking into my family history, trying to find out more about them. And I have only recently uh, found the name, another family name, Hartwood, connected to the Covingtons, and I was hoping to find anything that you might have on the the, the Covingtons and the Hartwoods, or just the Hartwoods. You uh, you see him as he is uh, as you speak. He starts writing down these names, and he kind of looks over at you, Guy, and he's like, "Well, Covington, and I mean, I don't mean to pry. Covington and Hartwood; those aren't uh, those aren't elvish names. I mean, well, uh, it's you're hard pressed to, like in the cities like this. You're hard pressed to find any." pure-blooded elf whose family spent any time here. This... Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not a racist or anything. He doesn't say that either. <laughs> I have elven friends. <laughs> I've got elven friends. Exactly. He says, no, I mean, what I'm saying is, is this, I mean, I'm trying to figure out the family line. Is it, is it elvish? Is that who I'm looking for? The line was mostly human, but they did intermarry a little bit. Okay. Um, well, let's see. So, Hartwood or... 
Covington. That's who we're looking for. Um, and you say they're around here? Or, I mean, I, I, I guess we can start with that. Somehow we ended up here, and I have, you know, um, a, a couple of things that once uh, belonged to them. So somehow they made it here. I don't know the... I don't know their, their, their provenance, though. So it's kind of a mystery. Well, maybe maybe you can help me out. Uh, just, like, what what makes them unique, right? I mean, otherwise, I'm just looking for a name. And, uh, I mean, I can show you in the other room. You'll see that there's, um, there's a lot of names to look through. Well, I have some first names as well, if that helps. That will help, I guess, yeah. There is uh, one of the Hartwoods' name is Draven Hartwood, and as far as I can tell, he's still alive. Okay, Draven Hartwood, still alive, probably not in history books yet. Okay, uh, who else? <laughs> um, John and Nora Covington. John and Nora Covington, okay. And then a Trevor Covington. Trevor Covington. Who I believe, if I understand, was the the grandfather of this John. Okay. I was right. also um, wondering if you could look up uh, Sassel. First name Lou. Lou Sassel. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get it. You know what? The thing is, is even, even Dudicus Maximus, uh, he didn't quite catch that joke either. <laughs> No, dutical Maximus. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can look into it for you. Is there any anything else, any other information you can tell me about these folks? I mean, uh, anything. Were they uh, diplomats? Were they politicians? Were they uh, were they activists and and revolutionaries? Were they kings and queens? Like what? What am I looking? They for? were of the nobility. They were they were very wealthy of the nobility. Um. Uh. From what I can tell of. Of, of John, he was kind of a gentleman adventurer, treasure hunter type. Okay. I will say, and it's a, it's a dreadful business, but I think that there was some magical aptitude in the family line. Ah, oh, magical aptitudes. He starts writing that down. Okay, magical aptitude. We're talking the arcane style, the... the the, the forbidden kind that I want nothing to do with. Ew, gross, icky. Okay, so wizards, witches, warlocks, that sort of thing. Okay, all right. That I can. That will help narrow it down. I appreciate it. You see that he does not bat an eye at you mentioning magic. For him, this is just information. Okay, and I'm just going to plop a platinum piece down on his lectern. He, oh, well, thank you very much. Um, he's kind of waiting. Um... For, for more? Yeah. That's a platinum piece. It's 10 gold pieces, yeah. Oh my gosh. Is, sorry, is, 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 is that not enough? I, I've never been to the Prolian Archives here in this city. Typically, that would have been seen as extremely generous. Oh, uh, it is extremely generous. Um, maybe just a couple more gold to really help. I mean, we've got a lot of mouths to feed over here. You know? I mean, it's really not... gross. Grease the skids, you know? Oh, Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this archive doesn't take care of itself. I'll I mean, drop another platinum. Two platinum. You a see, platinum the savings oh, alone hasn't been performing as well. <laughs> oh, well, I don't have your money. It's, it's over at Ed's house. house. <laughs> 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 but 
what's what's all... funny is that Paul and I were not quoting we're not quoting <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. We're quoting The Simpsons making fun of It's a Wonderful Life. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Oh okay. gosh, that's so funny. All right, so that's all I got. Although there's also um, uh, do we want to do we want to ask about Oak Road? What do you guys think? Yeah. So I was actually yes, that was what I wanted to ask about was um, if they had any maps of kind of pre-imperial countries in the region. Um, specifically, we're trying to find that city, Old Oak Road. Huh, that's that's interesting. Oak Road. Huh. You're the second person in, in two weeks who's asked me about Oak Road. Huh. What? Really? And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. What? Oh, jeez. All right. Well, hey, guys, that was that was a very fun episode. I Jeez. really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, hey, don't forget, we've got Wilhelm and Associate buttons. And right now, just so you guys know, as of recording, Guy is in the lead. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. We, I literally published them to the store during this recording session and immediately bought myself one. Amazing. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. All right. Well, hey, um, yeah, don't forget, if you want to see how beautiful the Prolian Archive is or any of the other places that we have been today, then consider becoming a Patreon or a patron at Patreon um, at the $10 tier or above. It helps us out. And um, we really appreciate all the love and support you've given us uh, over the years. Anyway, until you get together. <laughs> wait. <laughs> until we get together next time. We hope you have a great time. <laughs>